All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Blast podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Tyler Wagner. As always, today's sponsor is Authors Unite. And if you want to become a successful author, Authors Unite is the place to go. So head on over to AuthorsUnite.com to check out a free case study that will teach you how to do exactly that. And now, let's jump into the episode. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Blast podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Wagner. Today, Mark Bertrang with us. He is the author of Investments Don't Hug. So welcome to the show. Hey, thank you very much for having me on board, Tyler. Of course. Grateful to have you here. So the first one I got for you is what is the best story from your life that has an underlying valuable message? You know, not to assume all the time. When I was younger, I never wanted to be in sales whatsoever. My father-in-law once said, you know, you really work well with people. You should, you should get into some sort of sales. And immediately without even thinking, I said, you know, I would never want to do that because salespeople are crooks. And it's true, you know, because we're all, if we meet like an insurance agent, all of a sudden we're like, no, 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 I already got that covered. I don't need to be talking to you, you know, and we all have this negative aspect to everything. Now, in the beginning, I realized that I did need to get into some sort of sales position where I would literally help people. And that's what he saw in me. He saw that I had the ability to be able to communicate with people. And what the sales process really is, is to help people get to where they want to go. Now, what I didn't realize is that in the beginning, you had to be into sales and you had to be able to pay for the bills. So I was a great salesperson in the early 1980s, wants to be able to pay my mortgage. I sold a moped once to pay my mortgage, I sold my high school alto saxophone. So the humor is, is that I was a great salesperson because I kept on selling assets that I had just so I could stay in the job of financial services, which is where I am today. And uh, it is very, very difficult to begin that. But I think oftentimes people begin thinking, you know what, this particular job, that particular job, I don't like it because but they're not open to realizing what it really means. So I actually look at a position of helping people through a sales process of understanding where they need to go and what they need to do. I get that now. And I really put salespeople at a really, really high esteem because they're communicators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I like that. And so, so I'm excited for you answering this next one too. So the next one is, what is the most valuable piece of information we should know that's within your expertise or industry? Okay, so this is interesting. I remember my 29-year-old daughter when she was about six years of age, and I asked my daughter, who would you like to be like when you're an adult? And at the time, she loved the Winnie the Pooh characters, and she said, I want to be like Owl. And I said, owl why would you want to be like owl and she said because someday i would like to be wise and i think that that's something that we should be taking a look at as well because there's a knowledge which again in the beginning of a career you fill your brain up with knowledge information on a daily basis i'm 
filling my brain with information. But what I've learned over the years is that knowledge and information will only get you so far. It's having life experiences and it's having the wisdom to know what to do with that knowledge and what to do with that information. So it's wisdom and trying to acquire wisdom over your life. Yeah, man. I love that too. I want to be like the owl. That's so sick. <laughs> is, it, is that just awesome? It's just like, wow, this kid understands it at the age of six. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Um, so my next one is what's your best piece of overall business advice? You know, this is really easy, but so many people just don't wish to do it nowadays. I believe you should just get to work. Stop blaming others and your circumstances. I remember when I was a teenager, I grew up in a small town and our small community had a vegetable canning factory. And when I turned the age of 16, I was actually thrilled because I no longer had to work out in the fields like all the other teenagers in my community. Now I could actually go and work out not in the sun any longer and you would have a choice of two different shifts that you could work at this canning factory during the summer months one was seven o'clock to seven o'clock and the other one was seven o'clock to seven o'clock you either worked a.m or p.m but it didn't make any difference because after two weeks you would actually have an 18 hour day with a split shift in the middle so you could go from days to evenings and I always figured, you know, if I could do that for 12 hours a day, in fact, one week, I actually had 43 hours of overtime oh my at the age of 18. I just figured, you know, all you got to do is go to work, stop blaming other people, stop talking about your circumstances, why the world is against you, and just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, dude, 43 hours of overtime too. That yeah, is... it was an 86-hour week. Yeah, that's woo, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next one is, if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be? You know, it was would be the realization. I would say, Mark, just come to the realization you cannot help everyone. You can't save everyone. That is not your job. I would spend a lot of time at the beginning of my career to try to help people out of their financial woes. And a lot of times that was like debts and having to solve their debt uh, problems by uh, trying to combine their debt or refinancing their debt. And what I finally figured out is that after solving the problem, it would just allow people to say, hey, Mark solved this problem. Now we have more money to spend on a monthly basis. And they would go out and buy themselves a $30,000 bass boat. And I realized that I couldn't change people. I couldn't change behavior. And just because I could solve their immediate problem, I wasn't necessarily helping them for the long term. So that was very, very frustrating to me. So I just had to kind of let it go and realize I can't help everyone because I can't change what's inside their brain. I can't change their behavior. And you know what? That's okay. Just breathe in, breathe out, and just go on and try to do good for someone else. Mm -hmm. 
And that, so perfect lead way, in your opinion, what's the key to happiness? You know, the key to happiness, in my opinion, is calmness. It's kindness. I had an office manager who was with me a couple of years ago, and uh, they were actually uh, a person who was replacing an office manager that I had for nearly a decade. And at the age of 54, this person came down with leukemia. And within nine weeks, I was a pallbearer at her funeral. So the interim office manager, I am going to call him my breakup boyfriend because between having a great relationship with somebody in the office and now I've got a great office manager at the office, we, we had like the breakup boyfriend in between that just kind of helped me get from point A to point B. And at one point in our day, he was watching clients go back and forth and back and forth. And, and after one appointment, he looked at me and he said, does this, does this happen all the time. And I'm looking at him and I said, is, is, is what happening? And he says, virtually every single client who's come into the office and who's left, you've either hugged them or they've hugged you. So I believe that it's important that the key to happiness is just to be happy and to have value for other people that they can see the value in you. And if you're just kind if you're just calm, if you do for others as you would like them to do for you, then everything is going to be cool and we're all going to have a great day and be happy. And then, oops, sorry, I cut out there for a second. You're still there? Yes. Yes. Awesome. I thought I lost you. Yeah. No, 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 no. You're good. Um, so the next one is, is what is the best book that you've read and what's the number one thing you learned from that? Okay, so I've got to kind of laugh because the very best book that I'm reading or that I've read is always the one I'm reading right now. So yeah. if you ask me three weeks from now, it's going to be an entirely different book. So the book I'm reading right now, in fact, I just finished it. It's a book called Rush, which is about Benjamin Rush, who's one of the founding fathers of the United States of America. He actually uh, uh, signed the Declaration of Independence with, you know, the uh, uh, people like uh, uh, Jefferson and Franklin and Adams. But this was a very unique uh, person because he was also the only medical doctor who signed the Declaration of Independence. And at one part of the book, he and his wife, Abigail, are putting together a letter to give to their son, John, who is about to go and travel the world at the age of 27. And they said one phrase in this letter that just really spoke to me. And what they said was the following, as you go to see the world, remember the world will be seeing you. And what they were trying to say by that is, think about how you are going to be seen by other individuals. Will it be good or will it be bad? Will it be a quality man or will it be someone who is not of quality? And that phrase just kind of lit up my mind because isn't that the way that we should all be looking at our life? We're going out and we're seeing others, but how are others seeing us. Mm -hmm. I love that. And uh, what is your favorite quote and why? Okay, you're going to laugh at this. I don't know if you're even old enough to remember, but if you can remember the old black and white movies of Laurel and Hardy, okay, 
Oliver Hardy and Stan Laurel. They were a couple of comedians from the 1920s, the 1930s, and at one point in every single movie that they had, Oliver Hardy would turn to Stan Laurel, and they usually had some horrible thing that went on. And uh, Oliver Hardy would say to Stan, he would say, and here's another fine mess you've gotten us into. And the reason that I like that quote is because isn't that really what our lives should be all about? Should be solving the messes and cleaning up the messes because no matter how you look at the course of the day, I know I'm going to look back at the day later on tonight as I'm getting ready for bed and I'm going to be thinking about the messes that were created during the day. But what I'm going to be celebrating is what did we do from that point on. Every day is filled with messes, but are you going to become part of the mess or are you going to be able to grow and grow and learn and make the world better by cleaning that mess up? Mm. Yes, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. The last one I got for you, where can our listeners best connect and find you online? Okay. So there are three different ways. One is just Google my name, Mark, M-A-R-K, Bertrang, which is like Bert rang the bell, or go to my book website, which without the apostrophe is investments, don't hug. And the third way is that we have a financial services company and we own this word, just type in the word financial, followed by the letters O-S-C-O-P-Y, and yes, I'm a financial oscopist, and you will be looking for a financial oscopy. I love it, dude. Thank you again for coming on. Hey, thanks for inviting me today.